Welcome to the Untold Hour. You know, every single time I do that, I almost say bizarre states. And I apologize if you can hear me tip-tip-tapping on my keyboard, but I'm currently looking up some weird of the week that uh, I'm going to talk about. And then I'm going to get into some horror movie talk alone. So yes, it'll be me yelling at the wall but I'm hoping uh, you're into it. This episode is going to be a little bows combo. We're going to do Weird of the Week. Then we're going to do Grammy Boy Update. Then we're going to do Onyx Movie Update. And then we're going to talk about horror films I've watched this week. Okay? That's the episode. We're going to probably keep it to a chill 35 minutes. Uh, so people aren't too inundated with my meanness, my meanness. I don't want you to get inundated with my meanness. All right, so to start, well, actually, now I kind of feel like starting with the Grammy Boy update. So already I'm breaking the mold a bit. Um, I'm going to start with Grammy Boy update. As people may or may not know, he's been out of the wall for some time. He's been in his crate in the garage. Um, and he, the crate is this, you know, it's a Great Dane crate. Um, but the crate is open. He is allowed to come and go as he pleases. And from my perspective, we're making progress. Am I slightly delusional in my hopes for progress? Yeah, but... But is there real objective progress? Yeah, I'd say so. Case in point. The dude comes out while I'm in here and eats. And that's been going on for a while. He'll eat and he'll look over at me. I'm at one end of the garage. He's at the other. And then he'll eat and then he'll look over at me. We're just, you know, acknowledging each other's presence and respecting each other's presence. But something happened recently that I felt like was an even bigger step forward, which is that he shit in front of me. Now, he had been saving his shits for when I would go upstairs. Um, the litter box is also out of the crate. Basically, he only goes in the crate now. He goes in the crate if I'm down here. Uh, well, that's not true. The other day he came out and he sat underneath my Onyx wardrobe rack. And I actually have a picture of it. And he just, like, looked at me through the clothes. <laughs> Which also I took as a sign of we're, we're taking steps toward each other. Um, so, oh, gosh, sorry. As I'm saying this, I uh, got a notification in my Onyx the Movie Facebook group that said somebody violated Facebook's standards and guidelines. Um... I felt like the day he looked at me through the wardrobe rack, I don't know, I felt like it meant something, okay? Um, but the other day I'm sitting down here and I'm writing and I smelled doo-doo and I actually forgot for a second that his litter box was out of the crate because um, he only uses the litter box if I go upstairs. Then he's like, ooh, sneak, sneak, sneak. <laughs> shit. And I smelled shit and I look over and he's shitting I mean, you know, it's probably 12, 15 feet away from me where his side of the garage is, but he's shitting and he looks over his shoulder at me. And we made eye contact for a couple of solid beats. And then he continued shitting. He looked face forward, finished shitting, covered his doo-doo, and then just casually walked back into his crate where his bed is and... uh like, stretched his back legs as he walked into the crate. So, again, I was just like, that, to me, is not a cat that is still scared of humans and um, mostly feral. I feel like that feral veneer is fading. And, I mean, he's got this whole fucking bachelor pad, you know? 
He's got a bed in the crate. He's got a bed outside of the crate. His food and litter box are outside of the crate in Onyx's fake basement. He's got a couch, which I've seen him go up on the couch, but I've not seen him lay on the couch. Ooh, but you know what? I think I'm going to move a blanket that I have to the couch so that maybe he'll uh, lay on the couch. My favorite thing to do is watch what I call GTV or GBTV, uh, Grammy Boy TV, which is when I go upstairs, uh, I put on my pet cube camera and I just sit and watch what's happening on GBTV. And it cracks me up because he just fucking has the run of the garage, which is a pretty big space. It's like a studio apartment, really. It's bigger than, than a fucking studio apartment that I used to have. And he just walks around. He'll sit on the carpet. He'll jump up on the couch, look around, and then jump back down. But overall, I think he's in good spirits, and um, I think we've got a pretty good rhythm. It's like similar to the rhythm that we had when he was in the wall, except he's no longer in the wall. I believe I've Grammy Boy proofed this garage. I mean, there's not a crack he can get into. There's only two spots that he can hide should he want to, to feel maybe a little more safe, and that's under the wardrobe rack and under the couch. Um and he's gone there once. So that's the Grammy Boy update. I mean, I think he is such a cool little dude. And I'm I'm just hoping he gets to the point where, yeah, where he's my little garage boy. Um, I, I also, I kind of came up, I feel, I feel like, not to over-spiritualize something, but I feel like I know what his real name is. Uh, which I know sounds weird because his name is Grammy Boy, but I guess what I mean is his nickname has been Grammy Boy, but I've always felt like it was a bit of a placeholder. It was an interim name, uh, a temp moniker, until I would know what his real name is. And I think for you know pet owners out there, you know, sometimes you've got multiple names for your pets. One feels like their their God given name. One feels like their uh, nickname that they'll shed one day and i don't know one feels like their truest form okay anyway i feel like grammy boy's real name is houdini that's what i feel and yes maybe it's because he disappeared into the wall for weeks um i've got a that that funny picture of him staring at me through the wardrobe he just looks i mean he's houdini okay i don't know what to tell you what do you want from me the cat's name is houdini you heard it here first this is crazy. It's huge. It's absolute huge news. Okay, that's the Grammy Boy update. Let's get into a little update about Onyx and where we are with the movie. Um, you know, I went on a rant last week about some people on TikTok saying I'm a con artist. And I continue to get comments like that this week. So I went ahead and made a TikTok as myself, as Andrew Bowser, saying, look, I don't know why people are deciding to say, even though it's only been uh, two months since the Kickstarter wrapped, uh, that I'm a con artist. But I think a part of it is because there's still a confusion around whether or not Onyx is real. Because the people that are saying he's a con artist, artist are saying things like, this guy couldn't make a movie, this guy's just a weird Satanist who tricked you into giving him money. There's no understanding of the fact that I'm a filmmaker, that I'm a producer, that I've been living and making a living in LA for 14 years doing those things. So I honestly made a very straightforward TikTok that said, look, I'm Andrew. I'm making the movie, okay? The people that have said I'm a con artist, I think it's because they still think Onyx is real. Sorry to burst your bubble. He's not real. And the video in a day, less than a day, has... 500, no, I'm sorry, 650,000 views. You know, is that cool? Yeah, I guess that's cool. But it's also a little annoying that the reason it's getting views is because people are like, oh, shit, I can't believe Onyx isn't real. God damn it, dude. Really? 2012 was the first, I mean... Cool. Yeah, I guess it's fun that they think he's real, but you just start to spiral. You're like, I mean, is this why I don't have an agent? Is this why I haven't gotten a little further in my film career? Because people just think Onyx is the real thing and there is no 
creative mind behind it. Sorry, my copy of Poltergeist on VHS just stopped and started auto-rewinding. Um, whatever. That's cool. That's fun. It's got 650,000 views. It's still climbing. Most of the responses are, holy shit, is this how he really talks? Holy shit, are you not from Michigan? Are you telling me you're not from Michigan? No, I'm not from Michigan. You've never seen me at the Royal Oak Arby's. I mean, I guess people would think I did it to myself. Yeah, I guess I did. Um, I guess I can't complain when ultimately enough people showed up to finance the Kickstarter. Enough people had faith in Onyx or Bowser or both. But on to the more fun elements. The movie is trucking along. We're set to shoot in October in Massachusetts at a haunted location. I can't fucking wait. I talked about it last week. I talked about getting loaded up with talismans of protection. I'm going to do that. I think we'll maybe even, you know, film it for the movie, for the behind the scenes stuff. Um, casting director starts at the end of June. Uh, we're casting for about five roles. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're just fucking moving, you know? We're moving. I think the only real update was that I wanted to tell you about the TikTok that I made because it it just never ceases to amaze me how little people know uh, or seek to know. All right, come on, dude. Come on, come on. You've talked enough. Get into some freaking flip, rip, dipping weird of the week. Weird of the week. All right, I've got to talk about it. It's just been... There's just been so much UFO talk. And I I don't care about aliens. I've said it before. I've said it before. But I don't care about aliens. But there's been so much chatter recently because of uh, the Pentagon UFO report um oh my gosh cookies 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 can anyone tell me what the fuck cookies are in relationship to the internet every website you want to accept my cookies i don't fucking know what cookies are dude okay anyway there's an article from june 8th well that's literally well when this comes out june 8th will be yesterday but um that's about experts weighing in on the Pentagon UFO report. I read it on the Scientific American. The vast majority of examined incidents were not caused by U.S. advanced technology programs, the forthcoming report concludes. So what's going on? Now, I'm, this is a really long article, so I, I, I'm just going to read little bits um, and you can read the whole thing. But for more than a decade, the U.S. Department of Defense has been quietly cataloging and investigating scores of bizarre encounters, most from the U.S. Navy, ships and fighter jets tangling with or being tailgated by UFOs. Beginning in 2017, videos and eyewitness accounts of these weird sightings found their way into public view, ultimately spurring Congress to demand that the Pentagon produce a report summarizing all the U.S. government knows about so-called UAPs, which is an alternate term for UFOs. We know. Produced under the auspices of a Pentagon group, a Pentagon group called the UAP Task Force, an unclassified version of the report is expected to be released later this month. Upon establishing the task force, the DOD released an accompanying statement explaining the justification for its existence. And this is that statement. The safety of our personnel and the security of our operations are of paramount concern. The Department of Defense and the military departments take any incursions by unauthorized aircraft into our training ranges or designated airspace very seriously and examine each report. This includes examinations of incursions that are initially reported as UAP. When the observer cannot immediately identify what he or she is observing. And now the article goes on to assess the alien hypothesis. Meanwhile, all this strangeness has garnered considerable media attention from front page stories in the New York Times to a 13,000 word article in The New Yorker, as well as prominent coverage on 60 Minutes and other primetime television programs. Through it all, a sizable contingent of true believers have steadily proclaimed, we told you so. Insistent 
In their conviction that whether called UFOs or UAPs, the entities seemingly slipping through our skies are actually alien spacecraft and have been visiting Earth for a very long time. Those deeply entrenched public beliefs paired with the apparent reinvigoration of investigative interest in these incidents at the highest levels of government can lead to dazzling speculations. Might we be on the verge of a formal disclosure backed by irrefutable evidence that humankind is not alone and is indeed being monitored by extraterrestrial civilizations? Or could it be that UAPs are entirely homegrown products of revolutionary and clandestine technology, technological advances, whether by other countries now challenging American airspace or by the U.S. itself as part of some super-secret domestic program meant to deflect flaws in the nation's defenses? The mind boggles. Although the task force unclassified assessment is not expected until June 25th, Bowser's birthday, the New York Times provided a cursory preview of its contents in an article on June 3rd. Citing anonymous senior officials familiar with the report's contents, the story said that the assessment has come up short of explaining what UAPs are and that it provides no evidence to link them with any putative alien visitation. Bowser Googles putative. Putative means generally considered or reputed to be, like the putative author of the book, like I am the putative co-host of this podcast. Lastly, according to the New York Times article, the final report includes a classified annex of information deemed unsuitable for public release, <laughs> leaving more than enough room for diehard UFO advocates to remain convinced that the U.S. government is hiding the truth. Yeah, thanks. God damn. Why do they fucking do that? Here's this big-ass report that kind of says nothing. But guess what? There's a classified part. Thank you. Thank you. This article goes on to talk about how there is no, quote, big reveal in the report. Okay, cool. And that this release might just cause a disclosure feedback loop. To explain that a little bit more, the advocates of alien disclosure are encroaching on these real issues of UAPs. These believers take mundane videos of incidents that are simply unidentified, he says. Uh, this is some dude talking from the DOD. Uh, then reframe them as evidence of extraordinary technology, which of course is intended to mean aliens, even if enthusiasts for that hypothesis will not explicitly say so. This cultivates credulous media attention, which in turn creates a feedback loop of public interest. More media and then pressure on politicians to do something, quote unquote. Okay, well then how about this? If you want the feedback loop to stop, um, then explain what the fuck they are. That's a, such a fucking... Whoever this is, there are one on the Enneagram, and no offense to ones on the Enneagram, but, like, why would you think not, that this would not lead to a disclosure feedback loop? You are perpetrating it, dude, Okay. You release a report that basically says UAPs are real and that have been cited multiple times for like 70 years from naval pilots and Navy uh, boat drivers, whatever the fuck the term would be, Navy people, naval captains, naval, yeah, boat daddies. Um, you don't explain what the fuck they are and then you're mad when the UFO community says they're UFOs, well, then tell us what the fuck they are, you dumb dumb. God damn. Can't stand that energy. That's big one energy, dude. What? Why? Why do you why? Why do you think they're UFOs? All I said was they were UAPs. I mean, I can't believe it's led to this feedback loop of people saying it's proof of aliens. <laughs> I didn't say aliens. I just said unexplained. Well, sorry. Forgive us for going to aliens when that is obviously what the fucking cultural singularity consciousness leans to in these scenarios and has for decades, you dumb fuck. All right, anyway, the article's really interesting because I think they do kind of roast the DoD a little bit because without saying what I just said, they do go to, um, they do go to that, space, no pun intended, a little bit, where they're like, well, what the fuck do you want us to think? <laughs> Excuse me. I have some allergies. Um, but don't get too excited because the article ends with this little cheeky remark. So where does this leave us? The truth, of course, is somewhere out there. Whether or not it appears in the pages of the UAP task force report, 
But for now, the odds seem to be against the U.S. government knowing what it is, let alone revealing it anytime soon. So, yeah, thanks. So (laughs) this big UAP task force report basically just takes us back to square one. Who knows? Who could ever know? We may never know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for nothing. For nothing. All right. Next up on Weird of the Week, I had a bunch of animal stuff prepped. Um, and then, uh, well, I'll still read some of the animal stuff. One of them just blew up too much. I was going to read about that woman that fought the bear off in her backyard, but it that's like a viral video that took over last week. So we're kind of we're good on that. You know, like, I think we all know the story. Listen to this, though. <sighs> Man mortified after realizing he buried his neighbor's cat, thinking it was his own. A man was left mortified after burying his neighbor's cat, which he mistakenly thought was his own. Sharing his story anonymously, the man said that his favorite pet, literally named Favorite, which is a great name for a cat, had gone missing, so he went in search of the wayward feline. But his heart dropped when he found a cat with the exact same markings as Favorite, and it was very sick and soon sadly passed away. Distraught, the man took the lifeless feline home and buried it in his garden, so he was understandably shocked when his favorite cat arrived back home in the middle of the night. He shared his story on Reddit. The man said that he'd been on holiday and left the cat in the care of a neighbor when Favorite had gone missing. He said, when I arrived home from work just before dinner, I noticed that my black and white cat named favorite how many times can we say favorite in this article was missing something that's not unusual of him for more than a day i went to look for him in the surroundings and talked to my friendly neighbor and just as i arrive at my neighbor's house i notice a black and white cat apparently sick in a very bad condition lying down my heart was pounding and i could not believe that i just found the cat it's worth mentioning that the cat was in another neighbor's backyard and i could not go there without permission to help and identify I knocked and asked my friendly neighbor if she saw our cat, to which she replied that she hadn't seen the cat for two days. I mentioned the cat was lying on the floor and asked for help identifying and possibly talking to the other neighbor so that we could go to their backyard to provide assistance to the cat. She could not identify the cat as hers from her window and mentioned that her cat was smaller, saying for sure it was not her cat. She gave us permission to go to the backyard. We rushed to try and help the cat, but it was too late. The cat was already stiff, dead. My heart almost stopped. I was having trouble looking at the cat and even more trouble trying to identify him. My My friendly neighbor never came close. So I buried several animals as I grew up on a farm. Uh, But this one was being particularly difficult, especially since the cat was my favorite. I buried the cat in a somewhat shallow grave and went home. I could not eat and was very, very sad. Thoughts on all the recent events and what I could have changed so that the cat would not have died. And after a few tears and sobs and a nice cup of tea, I went to sleep. I was sleeping and I hear a scratch on the door. I went sleepwalking to the door thinking Faruska wanted to get out or come in to find my favorite. Did you mention Faruska yet, dude? In the rest of this article? Who the fuck is Faruska? Another cat you have? You haven't said that yet. I went sleepwalking to the door thinking Faruska wanted to get out or come in to find my favorite standing at the door looking at me like nothing had happened. He then proceeds to enter, mewing all the way, as if saying, why the hell did you take so long to open the door? I was, well, seeing a ghost or crazy. I woke up my wife to make sure I wasn't dreaming or crazy. For a moment, I wanted to hug, kiss, and slap the bastard at the same time. He proceeded to go in and sleep in our bed as usual and did not give a fuck about anything else. He added, today, this is the dude on Reddit, he added, Today, I have to explain to an old lady that her cat died, that I buried her cat thinking it was mine and to another that I buried a cat that means nothing to her in her backyard. Wild. That's a wild story. But also, I'm searching to see if you brought up Faruska. Now, nowhere else in the article do you mention Faruska. Okay, all right. Oh, sorry, my neighbor's leaving, and if you hear that car... Uh, that's why that's 
happening. All right, let me end Weird of the Week on this, and uh, then I'm going to talk about The Conjuring and The Curse of La Llorona. So, I thought this was interesting because growing up in Maryland, I'm very familiar with these like crazy-ass cicadas that show up like once every 17 years or whatever. Cincinnati police say that a cicada is responsible for a single car crash in the city's East End neighborhood Monday evening. While the driver sustained only minor injuries, the cicada was not as fortunate and was found dead on the car's floorboard. The cicada flew through an open window and hit the driver's face, causing them to crash into a utility pole and total the car, according to a tweet by the Cincinnati police. Swarms of Brood X cicadas have emerged in vast portions of the eastern United States, awakening from their 17-year underground slumber to mate. Although cicadas have one of the longest lifespans of any insect, they die shortly after mating, and brood X adults are expected to be gone by the end of July until the next cycle. The department's social media director, Sergeant Eric Franz, told NPR that this has been the first major cicada-related incident in the area during this cycle. Police have advised city residents to keep their car windows closed to avoid similar accidents. All right, look, no judgment. Okay, hold on. This is going to... No judgment, but I have a problem with people that react that strongly to insects. And this is not just about the cicada flying into someone's car, but there, as an adult, as a human... I think one of the things we have to work toward is a spider, a cicada, a centipede, a silverfish, a termite, a roach, not causing us to physically leap up, contort our body, yelp, drop what we're doing, drop what we're holding, and like skip three steps back in whatever environment we're in. I think that's the responsibility of being an adult. And I bring this up because I watch a lot of Survivor, right? And on Survivor, there's so many moments where they'll, they'll be sitting by the fire and a rodent or a spider or something skitters across. And my God, dude, they fucking kick over the logs. Fire spreads. They drop their plate of like the only handful of rice they have to eat for a month and they fall backwards. They pull other people down with them. Look, dude, that's a problem. That's a problem. That should not be our human reaction to something that small and most of the time ultimately harmless. It's a problem. I don't like people that react that way to mice. I don't like people that react that way to spiders. I think it's I think it's too much. And I think sometimes it's also a bit performative, whether or not they know it or not. I'm like, dude, like push comes to shove. You should be that scared of a lion. You should be that scared of a bear. And obviously some people aren't that scared of bears. The woman that ran and fought that bear in her backyard. That was awesome. But if it's a spider, if it's a mouse, if it's an insect, if it's something that if you had to, if push comes to shove, you could literally kill it with your finger? I mean, you could pick up a mouse and squeeze its fucking head. It'd be dead in under three seconds. And don't get me started on how how quickly you can kill a spider. How quickly you can step on a roach. Where's the, what's the, where's the fear coming from? At that point, it's irrational to me. And if we're talking phobias, then okay, I'm bowing out of the conversation. I won't say you have no right to have a phobia. I won't make it that deep of an issue. If you've got a phobia, then you have every right to leap across the room and knock over everyone's dinner plates. But in the instance of this person driving a car, was that cool? You know what I mean? Was that cool? They couldn't handle a cicada hitting them in the face. So they swerved into a telephone pole. That could have been another car. That could have been an innocent person Walking down the street. That's not cool, dude. Handle your shit. Figure it the fuck out. There's bugs. Okay? There's bugs. And they're not going anywhere. All right. Let's get to the main subject this week. Bowser doesn't like 
most things. That's the name of the segment. That uh, is the name of the segment. Okay. Have I ever liked the Conjuring movies? No. They're not made for me. They're I don't they're made for a much more mainstream audience. They're made for a modern audience. But beyond that, hey, guess what? They're also just not very good. Um arguably y- there's rarely ever any character development if any. You know what I mean? I mean, goddamn, if you didn't have um Lily Taylor in the first one, fuck, dude. That movie would have been rough, dude. But Lily Taylor grounds that shit. Lily Taylor's like, well, you know what? I'm just going to, like, go in. I'm going to, like, go in. I'm going to just, like, act like this is a fucking dramatic indie and just give you, like, the real sauce. And she does. She gives you the real sauce. And that's what, in my eyes, saves The Conjuring 1. Conjuring 2 is bullshit. Nobody likes it. Is that the one with the Tim Burton character in it? That they just uh, don't say is a Tim Burton character? (laughs) Yeah. The crooked man. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're funhouse horror. I get it. But here's the thing. So The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It comes out. And all these Conjuring fans are like, this is actually not good. And... The other ones were better. No, guess what, dude? The Conjuring 3 just amplifies the problems that exist in The Conjuring 1 and 2. It's 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 like something can be bad, but not bad enough for everybody to see it. And then something comes along that like retroactively sharpens it for everybody else. I've been saying from the beginning, Conjuring's not good. Okay? Now, something happens that like retroactively reconfigures the badness that was already there. Is there more bad in The Conjuring 3? Yes. But is it the kind of bad that exists in Conjuring 1 and 2? Yes. I don't know. Do I I need to talk about the... It's it's beyond the over-dependency on jump scares. Fuck a jump scare. I'll take a jump scare. I'm not going to say a movie is trash because it utilizes jump scares. I'll say a movie is trash when... All it has in jump scares is jump scares. And I'll say a movie is trash when it does the same jump scare over and over. This is the problem with modern horror. It deduces the genre to formula. The worst horror films are the ones that exhibit the tropes, amplify the tropes, dial them in, let them crystallize, and set a template moving forward for others to mimic. So that's why we get shitty horror movie after shitty horror movie. Conjuring 3. I mean, they should have just called The Tropes Made Me Do It, dude. Because there's no movie there. There's no movie there. It's a sequence of things we've seen before interpolated. You know what I mean? And I'm going to sound like a fucking boomer. But it's like the it's like the modern boom of pop punk that's all just interpolated hits from the early 2000s we got it dude we've heard them well oh what we got them again but it's just that it's machine gun kelly now okay fuck i guess we'll listen to those same songs again interpolation remixing huh that's all it is and it's happening on such a grand scale and i don't know if it's because i also watched cruella this week and i went from that into the conjuring three but goddamn, dude i'm fucking depressed I'm depressed about film. I'm depressed. When you look at the hundreds of millions of dollars that go into something and you get Cruella, dude. You have to remember, these are still projects written by thinking individuals. There's no excuse for them to be bad. There's no excuse for them to not make literal sense. Okay? Y'all know in Cruella, Emma Thompson kills Cruella's mom using Dalmatians, dude. If you gave a five-year-old the assignment to write a prequel to 101 Dalmatians, they would do a better job. They wouldn't feel compelled to connect all of these dots in this obsessive manner. We don't care if you connect it to Dalmatians. I need to know 
the reality of why this woman became as evil as she became. Connecting that dot in such a blunt, dumb, dumb manner doesn't actually give me any insight. That's a writery decision. Hear me out, my guy. Dogs killed her mom. The fuck? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? So, 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 I can't, I can't, I, the, the, what that unpacks for me, I was about to go off on a serial killer rant. Oh my gosh. That's just such an overt, dumb, dumb connection to make. That's it. It's dumb. That's not insightful. Oh, well, it's a Disney movie. Okay, you know what? Make it good. Make it good, dude. Make it good. No excuse. Well, what did you think going into, hey, I just wanted art to be good. That's all. Especially art that costs hundreds of millions of dollars. Don't come at me. You know, there's this whole thing on the internet now of like, let people like things. I don't stop you from liking it. My opinion on how something is shit should have fuck all to do with you enjoying it. You know what I mean? If my, if my, and also I don't talk about my take on things outside of this podcast. I don't tweet that I didn't like The Conjuring 3. I don't tweet that The Mandalorian is an exercise in treadmill storytelling. I don't tweet that. Sometimes I'll say it here. But me having those thoughts should not affect your enjoyment of a thing. I can have someone look me in the eye and say, Buffalo 66 fucking sucked, Bowser. And I don't change my thinking on Buffalo 66 at all. And it also doesn't deplete my ability to enjoy Buffalo 66. Why? Because I'm an adult. Because I am an adult. And we've all become so infantilized with how we digest art. Well, first of all, it's not art anymore. It's, they're collectibles. So we want the Funko Pop of the thing. We want the Baby Yoda of the thing. We want the digestible version of the thing. We want the thing to be made for us, customized for us, so we can put it on a shelf. You know, we don't want to sit down and be challenged by anything. <laughs> okay, boomer. But that's why things have become so blasé, you know? But the funny thing is, by making something so blasé as Cruella, they actually made like a really fucked up weird movie that <coughs> ultimately doesn't work and is super fucking weird. Despite it wanting to be a Disney movie. Um, they, they, they set up the fact that Cruella was, <laughs> uh, her mother was killed by dogs, but then they undo that. It's spoiler alert, by the way, who gives a shit? I'm not being careful about Cruella spoilers. <laughs> then they say, okay, the mom actually wasn't her mom. Emma Thompson's her mom. Well, wait, but you just, tried to give me the impetus for her becoming evil and hating dogs. I know, but now we're saying that isn't what happened. Well, but you still need to give me the impetus of why she became evil. Well, Emma Thompson's her mom and killed her like the lady that raised her, so it's still kind of why. Uh-huh. So she hates Dalmatians? No. She understands that the Dalmatians were only obeying Emma Thompson's dog whistle. Okay, so she doesn't hate Dalmatians. So why does she fucking want to kill Dalmatians? In 101 Dalmatians, your one job was to get us to the point of understanding why Cruella wants to kill puppies and you had $200 million and you couldn't fucking do it. But you said you did it, but you didn't do it. But good thing you got all those Beatles songs. This is a good way to spend the money. It's a good way to spend the money. Bowser, why are you so angry about Cruella? You know what? Because I just kind of want things to be good. I don't, I don't buy the idea that at a certain point, what we put out into the world can be or should be shit, especially if you have $200 million. Fuck off, figure it out. Figure your shit out. They end the movie with her giving two Dalmatians to Roger and Anita, the couple from 101 Dalmatians. They're Cruella's dogs. Cruella gives a brother and a sister puppy to Anita and Roger. 
They're her dogs. Wait. So the puppies she's trying to steal in 101 Dalmatians belong to her? Why did you... Why? That... That's... That's actually the wrong way into 101 Dalmatian. You spent $200 million to fuck up the entry point into the thing whose job it was, your job was to find the entry point and you said, what if we build roadblocks to that entry point? What are you doing? Oh, they're her dogs. So they're brother and sister and they fuck. Perdita and Pongo are, are brother and sister. They fuck. They have the puppies and then Cruella shows up and says, I want them back. Why'd you give them away to begin with, Cruella? Why are you... Uh, you had one job. The movie Cruella, you had one job. Tell me why she hates puppies and get me to 101 Dalmatians. And Cruella said, no. I'm going to undo all of that and not do the rest of it. Okay, cool. Well, at least you have... Allow me to introduce myself. I'm a man. Good job. Roll, how much did that fucking Rolling Stones song cost? My God. My God. Also, dude, don't fucking use sympathy for the devil unless you're interview with the vampire. Hell yeah. Okay. So Cruella, that was my rant on Cruella. One last thing. They do the Han Solo thing where they try to they try to explain her name. We don't care, dude. Why do you think every every dot has to connect? Why do you think that makes good writing? Why do you think saying Cruella? No, wait. Her name's Estella. And no joke, the woman that raised her earlier in the film says, Estella, don't be cruel. Your name's Estella, not cruel, Ella. Fuck you. And you say, well, it's a kid's movie, Bows. No, it's not. Because it doesn't work for kids and it doesn't work for adults and it costs $200 million and it's PG-13. So fuck off. Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. Uh, that's not what the movie's about. Spoiler alert. Uh, that's not what the movie's about. It, it should have been called Conjuring 3 Underground Witch because that's what the movie's about. And not in like a cool way where it winds up being about something you didn't think it was about. Just in like a shitty way. Like they didn't know how to deliver on the story they promised us. So they say the movie's about that real case of Arnie Johnson who killed a guy and said the devil made me do it. Um, I wrongly thought the um, movie would kind of deal with Whoa, like, did he do it? Did he not? Was the devil possessing him? Was the devil not possessing him? No, that's it. It's a conjuring movie. It opens with the devil entering this man's body. And it's not so much the devil made him do it. It's not that the devil gave him the taste or the will to murder. It's that the devil forced an optic hallucination on him where he saw a human man appear to be a monster and so any rational human being would say well i've got to kill this monster so it's not the devil made me do it it's underground witch but if it wasn't going to be called underground witch call it the devil made me see a man as a monster therefore i naturally thought i should kill it i mean that that's like oh the big reveal is that the devil made him think this guy was actually a bear breaking into his house to kill him and his girlfriend. Well, yeah, you'd stab the bear. Well, guess what? It wasn't a bear. The devil made him do it. No, the devil didn't make him do it. He thought it was a fucking bear. God damn it. Anyway, then you find out the reason the devil made him do it, made him think this human man was a monster, is that there's a witch that lives underground and uh, put a curse on him. So the whole movie is about... This witch. Finding the witch, chasing the witch through underground tunnels. They're superhero films. They're not horror movies. They're superhero films. They operate like superhero films. They're structured like bad superhero films. Um, they've heightened the, the powers of Lorraine to, I, you know, I, literal superhero status, where she's blipping in and out of different time periods Um seemingly experiencing them, you know, three-dimensionally and with all her senses. 
you know, they're they're that's I get it. They've got to keep things like visually interesting, and it can't just be Lorraine walking around saying, oh, "I think I think they died here." Yeah, it's right here on this patch of dirt. You know, they've got to have her like blip into other time periods. Uh, it may get noisy because there's some people working on my front yard. Anyway, uh, the point is, it's all about an underground witch, and none of the movie is about the trial. None of the movie is about the defense of demonic possession being used in a murder trial for the first time. So you know what? Just don't call it that. Don't use the name Arnie Johnson. Don't fucking say it's based on a true story. Fuck off. Call your movie Underground Witch the movie. Okay? Call it Underground Witch? I I think there's a point where the based on a true story thing, when it involves actual murder and an actual murderer, I think it is irresponsible to then slap your conjuring bullshit onto it. Fuck off. Fuck you. I think that's disrespectful. I think it's immoral. Fuck off. Fuck you. Um... That led me to watch The Curse of La Llorona. I, you know, the problems with the film, obviously, uh, I love Linda Cardellini. But a lot of people were upset um, because, you know, La Llorona is a, is a originally a Venezuelan, I believe, urban legend. And... Uh, generations of Mexican children have grown up afraid of this creature. Um, I read a, a review from curse uh, from, from Vanity Fair after I watched the movie and yeah, I mean, this is how it starts. Generations of Mexican children have grown up afraid of La Llorona, a wailing woman whose misdeeds in life have left her spirit trapped on Earth where she torments little children. She's the stuff of legend, a myth, and a spooky bedtime story whose origins date back hundreds of years. And Friday, she'll make her way on the screen in Warner Brothers, The Curse of La Llorona. Um, so anyway, they made Linda Cardellini the, the main character. So they're basically saying, you know, we couldn't have given you a lead that's actually kind of born of this culture. We have to give you your white protagonist as a way in. And that is offensive. And it sucks because it hurts the movie, too. I mean, the movie feels that. The movie kind of feels like it knows it shouldn't be doing this and taking this approach. Uh, these are the same director, by the way. The director of Conjuring 3 and The Curse of La Llorona. Um Oh, real quick, before I... Okay, no, this will all blend together. When I talk about jump scares being repetitive, it's the same jump scare over and over again. You know, I've got Poltergeist up on my TV VCR running on a loop. I don't think they do the same style of scare more than once within the film. The scares are each unique. They involve different elements. Their reveals are done visually different. There's not a repeated moment in that film. Conjuring and Curse of La Llorona. Conjuring 3 and Curse of La Llorona. Watch them back to back. They're the exact same scare over and over and over and over and over. And most of the time, it's a person seen at a distance at first, in the dark, slowly turning, and then running really fast towards you. And then the character falls back, and there's nobody there. Cool. Awesome. Can you imagine if the horror films that we claim to be masterpieces were as fucking repetitive as what we call modern horror masterpieces? Can you imagine if The Shining did the same goddamn thing over and over and over? Can you imagine? Can you imagine if The Exorcist did the same goddamn thing over and over and over? Can you imagine if it didn't evolve itself within itself? These movies, which everybody would claim in the horror community, are the fucking bedrock are so unlike the horror films being made today. Why do we even call ourselves horror fans? Why do you say, I like The Conjuring and I also like The Shining and The Exorcist? I mean, that's like saying, I like eating tasty things and I like taking my cat's turds out of the litter box and eating them. And hey, it's all the same. I love eating stuff. What are you talking about? 
How can you not see the difference between these? They're different mediums. They're completely different intentionally. One's looking to pioneer and one's looking to repeat. And we're stuck. We're stuck in it. You know, if I hadn't have also watched St. Maud and The Vigil, I'd probably be fucking just uh, taking a nap right now, trying to sleep off this bad art-fueled depression. And I didn't even love St. Maud, but I tell you what, I'd much better take that in than take in The Devil Made Me Do It and The Curse of La Llorona. So anyway, uh, the other big issue with The Curse of La Llorona is that there's no rules. You can't give rules to ghosts. It's really hard. And when you do give rules to ghosts, it, it kind of looks silly because this spectral entity that seemingly has power without bounds also has like a real strict set of rules. You know, like, well, you can kill her if you've got that piece of wood. Oh, I just need a... Magical piece of wood? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thank you. Um, thanks for explaining that. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And I love Linda Cardellini, but yeah, it was a mistake having a white lead in this film. Um, I probably need to wrap it up because construction stuff is starting. But you know what? I think I've yelled about things for long enough. Um, I love Cardellini. Don't get me wrong. She's great in the movie. She kind of literally tailored it. She showed up and she was like, let me just give you my dramatic chops. And we were like, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm here for it, but it shouldn't have been her. All right. Bowser's a piece of shit. Um, thank you all so much for joining me on yet another solo week. I believe Jess is back soon. Um, tell her I did a wonderful job. Tell her you loved me talking about Cruella. Tell her... You loved me bad-mouthing giant horror franchises that I would do absolutely anything to work within. Tell her you just loved every ounce of it. And until next time, this has been Andrew Bowser. You've been listening to The Untold Hour. Bye! Untoldians, that is it for this episode of The Untold Hour. Thank you for joining us on this weird and wild ride into the bizarre. If you are interested in sharing your own story of the weird, send us your listener stories to theuntoldhourpod at gmail.com. Come join the Untold Hour Convo over on my Discord server and our Facebook group. And you can follow us on our socials, Instagram at the Untold Hour and at Untold Hour Pod on Twitter. Star Bands Audio, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network.